Welcome to Hooked. I'm Rachel, your guide through the perplexing and sometimes deadly world of internet catfishing. Why do people catfish, and how many lies can they tell before they get caught? Stick around to find out in this week's episode of Hooked. Jessica Sayers started a new school in Epsom, Surrey in England when she was 15. Attending a brand new school can be daunting, especially when it comes to making friends. But soon after arriving, Jess met Alice, and the two started hanging out every day. Because this was about 2008, they also started chatting on MSN Messenger. It was on the site that Alice was contacted by a boy named Aaron Lampert, who said he also lived in Epsom. He instantly began to flirt with Alice, and Alice would tell Jess and her childhood friend Gemma that he would always tell her how pretty she was. And as it turned out, Gemma knew Aaron, very well in fact. She told Jess and Alice that she went around Aaron's place all the time because she was dating his older brother Josh. Jess's grandmother liked Alice, but she was not a fan of Gemma. Gemma was two years older than the other two girls. Jess liked this because Gemma had a car and could drive them places, and often did. But Jess had also observed that Gemma was kind of a brat. Her parents gave her anything she wanted, and if they said no, she'd throw a fit. Once, when she was denied, she threatened to kill herself. When her mother asked what would prevent that, Gemma told her that she wanted a new car, and she got one. As Alice and Aaron's flirting continued, he asked Alice to be his girlfriend, and she happily said yes. But she thought it was weird that they lived in the same village but never ran into each other. She constantly asked Aaron to meet in person. Maybe they could do a double date with Gemma and his brother Josh. Eventually, Aaron agreed, and they arranged to meet up in a park by his house. He showed up in dark baggy clothes and a knit hat with ear flaps. They had fun hanging out and planned to do it again. Alice introduced Jess and Aaron over MSN, and soon Aaron, Alice, and Jess were all talking on the phone for hours every night. Aaron liked having friends to talk to because he had a tough life. His brother Josh, Gemma's boyfriend, was getting treatment for leukemia, and their youngest brother had drowned when they were kids. When Jess met Aaron, he had on a similar getup to when he'd first met Alice, baggy clothes and a knit hat with ear flaps. Jess thought the hat was odd, especially as the weather got warmer, but her brother sometimes wore hats to cover his alopecia, and Jess figured that Aaron might have that too. She wasn't going to make him uncomfortable by asking him to take off his hat. While Alice and Jess both described Aaron as very manly, Jess did notice that Aaron and Gemma had similar features. They both had chubby cheeks, and they both had perfect, straight white teeth. One day, when they were hanging out at Jess's house, Jess asked Aaron if he and Gemma were related, which would have been awkward since Gemma was dating his brother. The second Jess asked him this, Aaron got up and hurried out of her house. He texted Jess a few minutes later, apologizing, and said he had to vomit. Jess was suspicious of this, and she told a British TV channel that I have a perfectly capable toilet of holding sick, so why wasn't he just not sick in my toilet? One night on MSN, Aaron introduced Jess and Alice to his friend Luke. All four of them chatted every night, but Luke took a particular interest in Jess. What could be more perfect? Two best friends dating two best friends. After a few weeks, Jess and Luke met up. On Facebook, Jess had seen pictures of Luke. Spiky hair, backwards cap, sweatsuit. He was, as she called him, very chavvy. In person, instead of the hat, Luke had his hood pulled down over his forehead. Luke wasn't from Epsom, though Jess couldn't place his accent. He also talked, according to her, like an absolute idiot, even in text and on MSN, using exclusively internet abbreviations. So where was Gemma in all of this? Well, being two years older than her friends, she had a full-time job and was also going to school to be a police officer. She wasn't very serious about school, though. She often missed class due to her work schedule. 
Like many 16-year-old girls, Jess was sexually inexperienced. In her interview, she calls herself frigid, but goes on to say she was just really nervous about the idea of sex, which I would not define as frigid. And I'm sure that her attitude towards sex was not improved by Luke fingering her even when she told him she didn't like it. If she asked him to stop, he'd refuse. When Jess came back from a vacation in December 2009, she found out that Luke had cheated on her with a few different girls she knew. She broke up with Luke, good riddance I say, and her status on December 30th was, I hate you both, you're welcome to each other, fucking dickheads. Ah, the lost art of vague booking. The same day Jess broke up with Luke, she met a new guy on MSN, Connor McCormick. Almost immediately, Connor told Jess that Luke had told him what he'd done to Jess sexually, and she didn't deserve that. Upon becoming friends on Facebook, Jess saw that Connor had Justin Bieber hair and wore high tops and skinny jeans. Unlike Luke and Aaron, Connor had connections in big places. He told Jess that his dad worked for Simon Cowell. Soon, the two decided to meet up. Close to Jess's house was a big tree, and that's where she and Connor met each time they got together. Connor, in addition to his skinny jeans, wore a hoodie and a beanie, both pulled so low that they almost covered his eyes. He told Jess that he had alopecia. But there was something unexpected about Connor. While he was super chatty on MSN, he didn't talk when he was with Jess. And I don't mean he was shy or Jess never let him get a word in. I mean, Connor literally refused to speak. Instead, he would text everything, even while sitting right next to Jess. She'd ask how he was and he'd text his answer. Even so, Jess says that Connor was cute, caring, and nice. After Luke's treatment of her, a boyfriend who didn't speak was just fine. Jess and Alice's friend Leanne told the girls they were stupid for dating guys they'd met online. Multiple times I said to Jess, you and Alice are idiots. I was constantly saying, why are you even talking to them? You've met them through MSN and Facebook and things. You shouldn't be talking to them in the first place. Near Epsom, there was a gated community called St. George's Hill. This was no run-of-the-mill rich people community. People like John Lennon, Ringo Starr, and Cliff Richard had at one point or another, and some houses in St. George's go for 30 million pounds. And apparently, in addition to half of the Beatles, Aaron, Luke, and Connor also lived there. What are the chances? Since plebes like Jess and Alice weren't allowed into the gated community, when the girls had double dates with Aaron and Connor, they'd wait on the expanse of grass across the street from the neighborhood. And wait, and wait, and wait. The boys would be a few minutes late, then half an hour, then two hours late. Each time one of the girls texted asking where they were, one would answer, we're about to leave, or we'll be there soon. But they'd never show. There were times when Jess and Alice would sit on the green until 4am waiting for their boyfriends. Yes, they did this multiple times. One day, while waiting on the green, Jess saw an opportunity to slip onto the property. She had Connor's address, so she went to the house and rang the bell. The person who answered the door had no idea who Connor McCormick was. When Jess angrily confronted Connor about this on MSN, Connor said that he had been home, but for security reasons, the family maid had to tell people that he wasn't home. Why hadn't Jess called first? He promised he would be there the next time she knocked. Alice and Aaron were still going strong, and at some point had had sex. It had happened in a darkened room, and they stayed mostly clothed. The sex certainly didn't rock Alice's world, but she had nothing to compare it to. She'd been a virgin up until that night. Plus, the bar was on the floor for Aaron. Alice said in her TV interview that Aaron had been a good sexual partner because he hadn't hurt her. Wow. Alice and Aaron's sexual encounters continued, and Aaron was spending more and more time at Alice's house. One day, while he was playing Legos with Alice's brother, 
He asked Alice to grab his keys for him. When Alice looked in the bag, she didn't see the keys, but she did see something else. A pink dildo. Understandably, Alice freaked out and confronted Aaron about it. He protested that he'd only used it once, but Alice felt like she didn't understand their sexual interactions anymore. In June 2009, Connor texted Jess and asked if he could come over and stay the night. His grandmother had just died and he needed some emotional support. Jess had never been allowed to have a boy stay over, but when she explained the situation to her grandmother, she said yes because Connor was clearly upset. She did tell Jess that there'd be no hanky-panky though. Just one rule. Keep your hand on your hypney, and he keeps his pecker in his pants, and I'll allow it. When Connor got to Jess's house, he texted Jess to tell her grandmother that he'd lost his voice. And perhaps the woman would have understood, but instead of taking a second to even wave in her direction, the minute she opened the door, Connor pushed past Jess's grandmother and went upstairs to Jess's room. Grandmother, quote, 3029. And I said, you do know you can take your hair out of in my house. It doesn't rain inside. And he just grunted. Huh? And I thought, mm, don't like him very much. Jess and Connor spent the evening watching movies and talking. Well, half talking, half texting. While they were tucked up in Jess's bed to go to sleep, Connor did something unexpected. He went under the duvet and started performing oral sex on Jess. Jess, of course, was startled and asked Connor to stop. He didn't and got more aggressive, adding fingering to the mix. He also used a dildo, which was the first time Jess had ever been penetrated by something other than fingers. For Jess, the experience was physically painful and emotionally painful as well. This poor girl had now been sexually assaulted by two guys in less than a year. As Jess was trying to recover from what had just happened, Alice called. Connor texted Jess to let Alice know that her boyfriend Aaron had been in a car accident. Alice got more and more upset as Connor relayed details to her through Jess. Aaron had gone through the windshield and was currently on life support. He told a hysterical Alice that he'd give her more details the next day. After Connor had fallen asleep, Jess glanced over at him. All she could see was his side profile, and she had to do a double take because from that angle, Connor looked exactly like Aaron. The next morning, a disturbed Jess kicked Connor out. She didn't know what to think. She'd been raped, but had it been at the hands of her boyfriend or Alice's? Why would Aaron want to cheat on Alice? Connor had assaulted Jess in the past, but anytime she brought it up, he said that it hadn't been him, that was Luke. What the hell was going on? But Jess would never be able to ask, because she never saw or heard from Connor ever again. Now remember, the night before, when she talked to Jess and Connor, Alice had been left hysterical at the knowledge that her boyfriend of over a year was hanging on to life by a thread. She barely made it through the school day, and she met her dad in the parking lot after it was over. And who should be in the car but Aaron? Aaron had no cuts or bruises or bumps and acted like the night before hadn't happened. Alice asked him why Connor had told her that Aaron was nearly dead when he was clearly fine. Aaron said that he was in a car accident and he did get injured. He got whiplash. So now both Jess and Alice were confused, and even more so when Alice told Jess about seeing a healthy Aaron after school, and Jess told her that she thought Aaron had assaulted her the night before. Neither of them knew what to do. Well, hip hip hooray for Jess's grandmother, because once Jess told her what had happened, she drove to the police station and Jess reported her assault to the police. It's daunting enough to report something like that, but even more so when you're not even sure who the perpetrator was. Both Aaron and Alice were brought in to talk to the police. Alice couldn't figure out why Aaron was so nervous to be interviewed. If he had truly been in the hospital that night, she told him, just show the police the discharge papers. Aaron told her that he couldn't find them. 
The night of the police report, Luke, who hadn't been heard from since cheating on Jess six months earlier, confessed in a Facebook status that it had actually been he who had assaulted Jess. Why? Because he wanted Jess to hate Connor, even though as far as we know, he had no relation to Connor at all. A few days later, Aaron was arrested. The cops weren't quite sure who their culprit was, but best to start with the guy Jess believed she had been laying beside that night. At the station, Aaron was forced to take off his winter hat and was strip-searched. That's when the police discovered that Aaron didn't exist. Aaron was actually Gemma. After the week Alice and Jess had had, the news that their female friends Gemma had been Aaron, and they were pretty sure Connor and Luke too, this whole time confused them further. Since Gemma didn't have a penis, had she used that pink dildo on Alice every time they'd had sex? Did having sex with Gemma make the girls lesbians? Were they still virgins? Before I go further, I want to note that as far as Gemma ever indicated, she is not trans. Because of her actions, it's assumed that she was bisexual or gay, but she denies that too. She also told the police that Luke, who had claimed responsibility for the assault of Jess, had assaulted her too, by punching her in the face and breaking her jaw. She showed them the claim she'd filed for compensation for the injury. Gemma was arrested on two counts of sexual assault and one count of fraud. Since Luke didn't exist, there was no way he could have broken Gemma's jaw, which meant she had stolen money from the government. Before sentencing, Gemma was examined by a psychologist who diagnosed Gemma with autism, ADHD, and a borderline learning disability. Gemma did not have a personality disorder of any kind. In March of 2012, Gemma's trial was held. It was posited that Gemma had done this to keep from losing her friendships with Alice and Jess. Gemma pled guilty to all charges, but showed zero signs of remorse. She was sentenced to two and a half years in prison. Of course, Jess and Alice were left absolutely reeling by all of this. At the time of the release of the TV feature, The Girl Who Became Three Boys, Jess and Alice both had new boyfriends. And Jess was extra careful to make sure this time. He's a boy, she told the interviewer. He's got boy parts. Thanks for checking out Hooked this week. We'll be back next week with a new story. But for right now, you can find me on social media on Twitter at HookedPodcast1, that's the number one at the end, on Instagram at HookedPodcast, and on Facebook at HookedThePodcast. Also, I'd love it if you left me a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really like what I'm doing, head on over to patreon.com slash hookedthepod, where you can get access to early episodes and regularly released bonus episodes. Again, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.